podcast about leadership, management, and figuring out if you're supposed to bring present to any given holiday party. I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pi or Pi Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. All food is finger food if you have the right attitude and or no silverware. Yes, with that attitude, you can ho- survive the holidays. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, typically um, we interview other people, but today on the show, we're talking with each other. World-class yes. people living on the internet, according to Kendall. I mean, uh, the world, I think we're the definition of world-class people living on the internet. Uh, <laughs> everybody else is weird. We are the definition of normal. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? Yeah, I, I feel like we could establish that. <laughs> totally normal. It so, us. so this week we're going to attempt uh, a clip show, and that means something like. But hopefully a little less chaotic. And we are recording this before the holidays, and it may air after the holidays, depending on when I get the time to put everything together. Yeah. But we're gonna do a little bit of an overview of some of the things we've learned the last year. Mm-hmm. and um, have some friendly banter just between us because <laughs> normally we're trying to entertain other people. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty entertaining just, you know, for each other, I think. It's, it's uh, true. So sometimes the guest seems largely incidental, which is probably not great. <laughs> well, the details of my life are inconsequential. No. Um, but if you insist. <laughs> <laughs> I totally insist. Wait, wait, wait that, that, that can be the end of the podcast right now. That, yeah. We just stop oh, because it's sort matter. of the whole point of the rest of this is the details of your life, Dusty. Sorry. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. <laughs> so. <laughs> say that. Don't say oh, that. I'm not we won't supposed be able to say to that out loud. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the other piece is we're actually today for the first time trying a new piece of recording software. We've mm-hmm. had some troubles with what we were using before. So we're, we're trying something new. And uh, if the audio sounds spectacular, yeah. it's because we're trying something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let I, us I know if you like exactly. this better uh, in terms of audio quality, because it's been on and off. Like a couple times, Kendall wasn't using the right microphone the I, last few times, where I was like, I Kendall, you sound like you're in the bathroom. in a row, yes. I just, <laughs> and you're I like, had, oh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> I had my mic in front of me, and I leaned forward and spoke into the mic the whole time, but it was not actually no. connected, because so, yeah. technology you noticed, is hard. If you notice, let us know. If you didn't notice, then perhaps Kendall doesn't have to worry so much about this kind of thing. Maybe I could sell this mic. I know a couple people looking to start a mic, uh, a podcast. podcast. I could sell them my microphone for, uh, you know, what's what's a couple hundred dollars between friends. (laughs) It only costs me sixty, but give them a special price. So we did this kind of thing last year also where we, you know, we had a a clip show at the end of the year. And so we're going to try and do that again. We do have, I did notice through the year, I I, kind of tend to see bigger patterns in content, which is one of the reasons that I'm a technical writer and, uh, and that I enjoy that kind of thing. Um, One thing that we did notice, we'll talk about in a minute, but uh, first of all, I know every year Kendall has a, a major like sort of holiday travel sort of thing that that ends up being a Twitter stream of amusements and pain. 
what are you what are you doing this year for the holidays? So, so for the record, that was two years ago, breaking down in my suburban in the Oklahoma panhandle. <laughs> with, with what, like uh, 27 kids? How many? You had like all your family packed into this thing. And your I wife was like. I four kids, Rachel. I know you think I'm crazy, <laughs> but. <laughs> I have zero children. To me, like, it seems like you have all the children. Yeah, we, we did end up hitchhiking a uh, three-hour trip down into Amarillo <laughs> with a woman holding her baby while she drove. It was a very exciting experience. Last yeah. year was mostly uneventful. We took a train from Denver to Glenwood mm-hmm. Springs, and it is a two-hour drive, and it is a nine-hour trip door-to-door when you take the train, <laughs> yep. because hashtag Amtrak um, yeah. and other things. But it was amazing. Yeah. So this year, we're doing the same thing. Oh, you're um, going to take the train again? Yeah, we're going up right after Christmas, and we're going to get on the train at at, at the, the very early morning hours. Because we came home last year, and the hot springs is amazing, and Glenwood Springs is amazing. It's beautiful. We even went skiing. We spent a whole bunch of time. Like, the beauty is, it's the middle of winter, and you're wearing a swimsuit because you're out in this hot springs throwing a ball around playing. So it's, it's a really great time for the kids. But we came home and asked what was the highlight of the trip, and everybody said the train ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Trains you train awesome. all the time. Are we, yeah, when's, yep. when's your next train trip? Well, we, uh, my husband and I are in fact taking uh, the Coast Starlight all the, the entire length of it this time. I've taken every part of it in different times. The Coast Starlight is the train that goes from Seattle to LA and back. Uh, so we're going to okay. go to, uh, we're going to get on in Seattle, which is near where we are, and uh, take it all the way down to Los Angeles, which we get in at like 10 o'clock at night, and then take another train to Oceanside, which we'll get in at midnight. But luckily where we're staying is not far from the train station. Uh, but yeah, I've gone and from Oceanside is the the beachy awesomeness outside of San Diego. Yeah, yeah, it's near San Diego. Okay. Um, and yeah, historically, I've gone, I've taken this route from Oakland to LA a bunch of times. And then at one point, my husband and I did take it from Oakland up to Seattle and back. But now I'm gonna take the whole thing in one go, and that's that's pretty cool. I'm excited about and that. This is like if somebody wanted to get to Chicago from Seattle, they would take the train from Seattle all the way to San Francisco and then to Chicago. No, there's a different train. There's a different train, which I have taken already and I'll be taking again at the end of February, uh, is called the Empire Builder. And it goes from Seattle to Chicago. Chicago is like the main hub of the U.S. for uh, the central U.S. for uh, for Amtrak. So anywhere yeah. you're going to go, <laughs> if you're going on a big trip, you're probably going to be in Chicago at some point. Yeah. So if you do that, let me know. I've got some restaurant recommendations for you. Well, in uh, west of Chicago, there's only like four train lines. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, there's yeah. the one that goes from Chicago to L.A. Uh, there's one that goes, um, like, doesn't it even go further south? I think you can go down to Texas from Chicago. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, the cool. Empire Builder splits off before coming from Chicago before uh, Portland and Seattle. And you could either go to Portland or Seattle. And how do you get from, do you take a ferry from your house into Seattle to take the train? Do you take a taxi? How are you going to get there? We're this time going to park our cars at uh, the Bainbridge Ferry. So we're going to drive to the Bainbridge. I guess just one car will park. <laughs> we have to drive separately. Uh, and then take the ferry into Seattle and then from there, walk to the train station, which is quite a bit uphill, but not actually very far. So okay, yeah, we, we got a permit for our car. This was all like, how do I, how do we do this from here? From Oakland, it was totally different. So, and, and if you, you know, for those listening at home, I uh, travel by train within the US uh, instead of flying because I object to the TSA. So this is a thing I've done a lot. If you have questions about taking the train anywhere, absolutely ask me. I have major tips. My primary tip, if you're going to take the train overnight and stay in the sleepers, or I guess not, I've never not done that. Uh, Earplugs. Earplugs are key. (laughs) Take earplugs on the train. 
You know, I, I too object to the TSA, but I'm incompetent at carrying it out. So what I, I used to do is I would make them pat me down every single time I went through. Mm. Uh, and then I got lazy with that. So now I just face the opposite direction every time I get in the x-ray machine until they tell me to turn around. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing how little of an objection that is compared to what you do, which is actually mm. not fly. But it's it's my little bit to push back. Do what you uh, can. Like, I'm very lucky that I don't have the kind of job that requires me to travel. You have to go to conference conferences oh my gosh uh and you know yeah, go visit people yeah. all over the place i couldn't do that with this lifestyle right i'm super yeah. lucky also it's kind of expensive to take the train yeah it is it's, oh. not, it's almost never cheaper um, no 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 are you gonna work from oceanside or are you taking vacation the whole time i'm probably gonna work a tiny bit but not the most time i mean we're gonna be spending time with darren's family and i don't want to be this has happened many times before where i'm like oh i've got to go do a thing for work i'll be back in a bit and then like six hours later and they're like hi are you coming to dinner like no i don't want to do that this time so i have a very little i have a couple things to do i have to write a year-end blog post for work as well and that will be really easy to do while i'm there but other than that i don't have any other plans the the beauty of working remote is that you can travel and continue to work the horror of working remote <laughs> that you can travel and work. yeah work-life balance is a, is a different proposition when you are at home <laughs> working yeah. most yeah. of the time so yeah, yeah i uh i recommend taking the train though i highly do even if you don't object to the tsa which you should <laughs> the uh, train is i mean so there's parts of the train that are amazing and mm -hmm. it's super calm to take a train like driving across nebraska is about the worst thing on earth and, and, uh, and in know, winter like, yeah well even even in summer i mean it's boring as dirt in winter it's hairy and windy yeah intense as well you go further north into the dakotas and it's not it's not better it's just mm -hmm. the same boring nothing and at least on a train you could check out when you're driving you have to pay attention yeah it's exhausting for hours yes mm -hmm. i I, I wish I had the luxury of, I wish we had high-speed trains. I'm still better oh, about I that. Oh, I so do. I feel like that would make such a difference, but it is a huge investment, right? And people seem to not understand that the point of those things is uh, to bring business and people to places to to expand the reach of other businesses. It's not, uh, it's not that it should pay for itself because otherwise you're never going to get high-speed yeah. rail. It's, it's meant yeah. to be something based on taxes that benefits everyone around it. And yeah, I think we're having a bit of trouble with that in the U.S. in particular right now. <laughs> Enough yeah, taxes, taxes to do fine. anything. Everything's fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so. Well, so so let's let's pivot and talk about. You've been looking for themes through this year, and you said you've come up with themes. Tell tell me tell me what the theme is. I think I know, but. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think you know too. But this year we had a lot of people talking uh, about this idea that. Uh, there's not one single management style that works for everybody that uh, that being really generic about how you you know having your personal management style isn't necessarily a thing that's going to work for everybody and so you shouldn't necessarily be proud of that uh, it's it's a it's a better idea to adapt your management and leadership style to the people who are working for you uh, you get better results that way and that this is you know this has come up multiple times Um well, so let's go now to a couple of those clips and hear what people had to say on those topics. First up, we have Dusty Pierce. I, I do think that we retain all of this experience and understanding, just like a, a former player of a game and then the coach. Like you, you have this perspective and you have a take, you have a style and a way to approach problems that in your system produces results. But I do think it has to have some appeal beyond just the most narrow set of zealots who believe in you. And I think that's probably my early career required you to be a zealot 
really to be thriving. And I think I've learned to kind of widen my, my, my perspective more and more and more on the type of people that fit within the so-called system. And now Sarah Zella Husky. Um, and so that lesson was extremely valuable for me um, in thinking about how I help my engineers today is, you know, I can tell you the same message as someone else, but maybe it doesn't connect with you. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to you. And so I keep that in mind as a manager and try to really tailor um, what, what advice and kind of what guidance I give people by that lesson. Um, Makes it and a I lot think, more difficult to, to productize your leadership. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, it's not scalable at all. Unmesh Kurup. I think that the one directly relatable skill was to sort of adjust your message depending on who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially during office hours, you have to explain things differently to different people because that's what resonates with. If what resonates with people is different. Yeah. And that was something that I learned very quickly. And here's from the episode with me. So there's a lot of things about leading intercultural teams that, uh, you know, multinational teams, we had uh, Chinese people on the teams that I was leading. I was often working with Filipinos, people from uh, other countries as well. And yeah, there's a lot about just communication styles and understanding what is my culture and how I need to flex to your culture uh, in those situations. And perhaps most succinctly, Kate Taggart. Uh, yeah, but, uh... that's, that's one thing that um, I'll, I'll often give advice to newer managers on is um, when you find yourself frustrated with a team member, start by assuming it's your fault. Like start by looking in your like your own communications and behaviors and whatever to see like, did you not set enough context for this person? Like, are they working on the wrong thing? Because like you didn't explain it well enough to them. Um, like, sure, sometimes it like there are bad actors and sometimes it will, the responsibility will rest with your team member. That's fine. But a really good place to start is if a team member is frustrating you, assume that it's something that you did. Mashtaba Husseini. It was, it was mind blowing because here I was, uh, someone who had spent a lot of time studying again, technical systems. All of a sudden we had a consultant come in and, uh, you know, he had courses on, uh, things like situational leadership and, uh, you know, color codes and personality traits, et cetera, et cetera. And I was, and I just realized, wait, there is this entire discipline of management <laughs> and leadership that I have not read a single book on. And yet I am supposed to be sort of operating at a level that is, you know, at, the, at a competency level. Uh, how is this possible? I think all under the umbrella that, I have to change before anything. I mean, I had to learn that, you know, other people are not like me. Therefore, I had to adapt myself to their style. Um, mm. You know, a lot of the mistakes I made early on was because I wasn't flexible. I knew one way of doing things and uh, I, I learned again through so, so situational leadership had that lesson for me. Like, you, you know, you can't treat a junior the way you would treat a uh, a principal engineer, they're completely different. Color codes, some people like very uh, direct feedback, you know, the radical kind of candor type in your face uh, feedback. And some people would be absolutely horrified if you talk to them like that. So I realized the first thing I have to do is I have to change myself. Yeah, I mean, is this one of the profound differences between working with computers and working with humans is, you know, 
do you have to change yourself to work with computers? Is it is it just, uh, I mean, does changing yourself make you more effective with computers? Or is it just a, when people are the thing that you're working on, you have to turn inward and become introspective to be successful? I'd say it's on the same continuum because uh, we've had uh, you know, previous jobs, sort of you know, uh, high school students visit and so on. One of the first things I tell them is I say, you know, imagine if you visit a country and you don't speak uh, a word of the uh, of, of the language of, that they speak. Uh, it's going to be difficult for you to do to get anywhere. Now, in the future, and I really we are there right right now. Is we have enough devices on this planet that outnumber us, and they're computers, and they speak a particular uh, language, or you could say that a, a particular way of doing things. And so no matter what your field is, uh, you know, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a doctor, it doesn't matter. You've got these inhabitants on earth, computers, that speak their own language in a way. So at least you should be able to learn the basics. Hello, you know, where's the hotel? How do I find a bathroom equivalent of talking to computers? So in that sense, even talking to computers involves us changing and learning their language, which what any really software developer does is to say, oh, I can't just ask the computer this. I have to break it down in a series of, you know, very explicitly logical steps. Then the computer will be able to understand what I, uh, what I wanted. Yeah, the way now, that Google... humans are much more <laughs> complex. That's right. One thing I want to say about this is what's what's interesting to me is, um, you know, we we sold our company in March and we've had a whole bunch of change and mm-hmm. uh, we brought in a new CEO that I'm working for and you know this guy's been a VP since I was in junior high, right? He had way more experience than me. Mm-hmm. He's been all kinds of places. And actually one of the things I thought he was going to bring in was a, this is what we do. And the thing that I'm most impressed with is he has a big picture of where we go, how we get there, but actually his experience has taught him, this is different everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm here. I've got a whole bunch of ideas, but the one thing I've learned is there isn't a way to do this. And so I need to mesh and figure out this team and figure out how to move forward. And yeah, it's a, I don't know. I think it's, it's a um, misconception that I have. And I think a lot of people have, but if I just, and then fill in the blank, you know, do this long enough, Mm -hmm. uh, experience enough, sell enough companies, whatever, then, you know, the end of that sentence is I'll know how to do this. Right. Right. And And it'll always work. Yeah. And I think actually it's like, you're never going to have a prescriptive model that always works. It's going to have to be different in every situation. And that's part of what's interesting about these people is them saying, um, no, I have to, I have to change myself that the, the number one thing I need to do as a leader is adjust my own personal style to meet these yeah. folks. Needed. Do you think that, uh, there's like, there's a, there's a pretty concrete list of like things not to do. That's pretty consistent sure. across every experience of leadership, but there, the list of things to do is much more variable. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I think the, the obvious not to do actually as a theme, even this year was the, um, I hate when people tell me what to do. I hate when people oh, yeah. have an authoritarian stance on things. Like that, that is the that authority issue. Repeatedly. Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How do you feel about having authority over others? How do you feel about having authority uh, over people? Or wait, people having authority, have authority over you. Over you. Over, yeah, and they all, well, not all, a large number of them said, if people yeah. tell me what to do, I react. 
I react poorly. Uh, and then, of course, there were people who felt uncomfortable telling people what to do for that same reason. Um, but I, I really enjoyed uh, uh, one of our most recent podcast persons, uh, guests, Amy Cardwell, saying she actually loved having authority over people because she has a strong sense of what is, uh, you know, what is the right thing to do? Um, leave the people better than you found them. Amy Cardwell. And this year, I understood something that I've never really gotten before, which is I'm not just solving problems with people, meaning I'm going to fire anybody who's not the right fit and replace them with somebody who is the right fit. My job is to get the, make each person the best that they can be. And that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that they're going to be perfect for that role, but I still have to figure out how to advocate and help that one person be the best mm. that they can be. To leave them better than you found and them. And that really yeah. puts a very different, yeah, it puts a very different spin on what it, because I think many younger managers, myself, younger self included, or less experienced, I guess I should say, managers come in and they say, okay, only 60% of these people are the right people to solve the problem. Therefore, I need to change the team immediately so that I ha so that I can solve the problem faster. But that's not your only job. Like, yes, you have to ship that product or yes, you have to do whatever it is that you have to do. But you also have to grow every single team member. So until you gain that sort of confidence in like, my goals are, are good and my goals for these people are, uh, you know, clearly understood by me and they're positive, maybe you feel more comfortable having that kind of authority at that point. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's a very fine line to work, to walk, but I would absolutely trust Amy in this particular role. Yeah. Um, well, that's, yeah. what's, what's interesting there too is, uh, I think it came up at one point where we were talking about adapting your style to other cultures. So there's, mm -hmm. there's the other cultures internal to America even, right? Like, mm -hmm. like I, I'm a white man. I have a specific culture that needs to change if I'm going to work <laughs> with women or from other different, uh, uh, you know, underrepresented groups. Like I have my culture and, mm -hmm. and even, you know, we see that internal with families, right? You're, you're yeah. married. You, you know, that, uh, he probably has a different culture in his family than you do. And so, so really? there's, there's that change, but then this year too, we hired, um, we, we, well, I guess in the past we've had a few people from different cultures, but we have a few people from different parts of the world where there are actually very clear cultural differences and mm -hmm. learning to interact with some of those has been a little bit of a stretch. And it's something that I think about as we continue to expand and as we yeah. hire remotely and, you know, how I, do we manage across this? I mean, it's, it's not like you should not expect your employees, your reports, your team to also change a bit to accommodate what's needed, your style. Uh, but I think yeah. as a leader, as the person with the in the power dynamic with more power, you it's on you to start to reach out with like I want to you know I, I need to understand best what you need, uh, and make that a two way street. But you have to start. You have to be the one putting up the sign, making it a two way street. Um, I think that's super yeah. important as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's what's interesting there too is you know, uh, when I was living in China and working on multinational teams, there, mm -hmm. there was a very clear difference between the ways the Americans interacted, the Singaporeans interacted, the Filipinos interacted and the mm -hmm. Chinese, right? Like there was, there was, uh, there were teams with other nationalities, I guess there was Koreans around too, but there was, there was a lot of these 
you know, the Singaporean military leader had a very specific leadership style. Oh, really? That was, that was a lot more intense than even most of the Americans were used to in terms of directness and demand. And uh, and by contrast, you know, I had a Filipino boss once that was like, um, just could not give me straight feedback for the life of it. Oh, I, that's I hard. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel that yeah. that is a that is a cultural dynamic that we have here in the U.S. a lot, which is where people are afraid to give each other critical feedback um, because you know the culture of the company might be just everyone is nice all the time and they don't see yeah. they can't see past the goal like past the feedback to the goal which is everyone benefits everyone gets better and uh, you know they just see the critical part and think oh you're being not nice uh, and so tailoring your approach to that is super hard as well when you're like I just want everyone to get better at this <laughs> so we right. don't have to have these conversations anymore but yeah. Well, which, uh, that's really interesting. It actually brings up so something that I've been chewing on a lot lately is um you know, the interesting thing about for-profit work is it's it's very very clear what the goal is, right? Mm -hmm. Money, right? Yeah. I mean, that's nobody's under any delusion that we're here for something else, right? Like well, the, the company I, needs okay, to We'll get back to that. <laughs> well, the company needs to make money. So, so I mean, it can't exist if it doesn't make money. Now sure. there, there's other things along the way. Like I noticed at one point, uh, not too long ago, I was talking with my wife late at night and saying, Hey, you know, I, I'm wondering what I want to do next that mm -hmm. quote matters. Right. And I realized as soon as I'm saying that it's because I don't believe what I'm doing currently does matter. And, and I do believe it matters, but it's, it's very easy to get caught in the Machiavellian okay, we're going to sell, we're going to make a ton of money, or someday we're going to IPO or whatever that exit strategy is. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make tons of money and then I'll go do a thing that matters. And that's only really a problem if I've lost sight of how do I make a difference today? What are the cultural things I fight for today? How do I build something I'm proud of? Because mm -hmm. I do believe building something I'm really proud of is going to lead to that good outcome in the end as well, you know, whatever yeah. that looks like. And then I don't spend all of my time dreaming about Someday we'll, you know, go change the world. But yeah, uh, you you can change the world that is scoped or to around you, right? You can make the situation you're in a better place for the people who you know you have power over. And I think right. it helps to think of that rather than be like, am I, you know, am I fixing the environment? Am I, you know, increasing people's ability to have, you know, be fed and and clothed and housed in this world? Like stuff that. Right. If you had, if, if we had more resources, we could do that as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. but that's, you know, giving people a job where they have opportunity to grow and accelerate and, you know, like treating them right and putting in mm -hmm. place the processes and procedures to allow them to do that. You know, one, one piece of feedback I got from a rope, uh, an employee a couple months ago was this company has largely been relationally driven and it's been okay being that way because we've been small enough while well, we're growing really fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we really have to have process and procedure in place to protect people as we get bigger oh, so that it, they see. don't get left in the dust by not having those relationships. So I was um, going to say relationally driven just means like there's, there's a, uh, there's a, a relationship that's not formalized and now people need to understand what to expect uh, across a larger scale of people. So you have, is that what you're saying? Well, I think even it was specifically with regards to, you know, hey, uh, the this is process and procedure that probably needs to be in place. Right now it's not in place. And we've gotten away with that because I have relationship with the people in the company that I can go to and say, how do I improve this? How do I move this forward, et cetera. But like, as the company gets bigger, there's going to be people hired who don't have those relationships. 
relationships and mm-hmm. can't come and press on those things. And we need to get very clear expectations in yeah. place. And, you know, something we're like, we're planning on hiring an HR person this next year. And like, yeah, we need to have a person who's putting these process and procedure in place so that people can succeed, so that people can thrive, so that we're treating people right, so that we can be proud of what we're building. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's easy when when you're 20 people, you can manage a lot of that yourself and make sure you know, you're talking to everybody and, Hey, are we doing this right? Are we doing that right? And we aligned. People, it's a lot harder. And you know, if we're twice this big next year, it's yeah. going to not be possible. And that uh, HR hire is going to be critical. You need to make sure that oh, yeah. the person who is starting that whole process up is shares the same values that you do. And <clears throat> absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully you've got, you've got a lot of thought going into your job description and how you're going to, you know, how you're going to source such a person. It's going to be difficult. All the thought. Hashtag yeah. all the thought. All the thoughts. Thought well, leadership, fingers, perhaps. Fingers crossed constantly that we're doing it right. And I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's all you have to do, right? You just cross your fingers and then good yeah. shit happens. That's, that's totally how this works. Absolutely. I'm glad we're on the same No way. effort is required whatsoever <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, so I don't know. Do you have any plans for 2020? What's uh... <sighs> Well, uh, it is going to be uh, both my husband and I's 50th birthday. And also at the end of the year, it's going to be our 20th anniversary. Uh, We've only been married a little while, but we've been together for now 19 years and next year will be 20 years. So we're thinking about what kind of, you know, major celebration we can have. Um, We're already going on what what I have been referring to for the last 10 years as the nerd boat, which is this cruise that uh, uh, that has been a thing that I've gone on for almost all of these. And this is the 10th one. So we're already going on this big thing. Uh, yep. which means I'm going to be taking the train to Florida uh, at the end of February. That's a long ride. Uh, so I'll be stopping in at various places to uh, to visit friends. That's one benefit and one, like, it's both a good thing and a bad thing. Like, it, it takes me a week to get to the East Coast. I'm going to yep. spend a few weeks on the East Coast to make that worthwhile <laughs> before taking another yep. week to get back. Uh, so I'll be seeing some folks out there. Perhaps we can also uh, meet up if you're uh, traveling around that time. Um, oh, yeah, maybe. I, I think know. we've all, you and I have only met in person once. Is that right? I, I, th- I remember a dinner in San Francisco, but I think it has only a been the one time. And a wine meetup. Oh, right. That was, was that the same trip? I think it wasn't. No, I think you're right. I think it was be. twice. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you remembered. Because, uh, yeah. Like, it feels like we know each other really well because we spend so much time. We like hang out other. about <laughs> once a week for at least an hour. <laughs> So well, cool. not to mention the intermittent conversation throughout, but well, uh, yeah, this is this yeah. is kind of like our our own sort of donut AI, uh, which is something I recommended last year during the clip clip show was something to, you know, we have this weekly setup, except we just happen to have a pesky third person on occasionally <laughs> that we have to talk to. Dear guests, don't I totally hear that. ignore that. <laughs> I totally am kidding. This 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 show has been such a great thing to be a part of. And I, and I thanked you last year. I I'm thanking you again. It's been so inspirational and I've learned so much from the people that we've had on. Uh, and it, it is, it is a joy to go back through and be like, did I hear this theme throughout and listen to the shows again and get, you know, the clips that we've been playing here. I, I just, I learn something new every time I, I get a, a perspective on leadership and management that I have never, you know, had in my own life and that I, you know, I'll probably never be a, le- a manager of people again. I'm, I'm, I, I, it's such a huge responsibility that I, you know, either want to do that or I want to be an individual contributor. It's been hard being both, which has been my primary way of, you know, of being, I've not been an executive like you, Kendall, where mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you don't have any job other than to talk to people. 
so so yeah it's um this coming year i'm looking forward to all the guests we're going to have on if you if, if anyone listening has recommendations or introductions to make for us please yeah. tag us on on twitter um and we'll you know our twitter handles are I'll put them in the show notes for this. Uh, but yeah, it's I, yeah, I have I, I have plans to grow this year. Plans to celebrate some time, some um, some major milestones. Being fifty cool. years old is going to be awesome. I enjoyed my forties, so you have a lot yeah. to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. What about you? Woo. What are your goals uh, for this year? Well, first of all, I mean to tag tag along on the the show stuff. I mean we're we're doing this. We're not making a fortune off of this. We're spending a little bit of money. It costs us very little. Yeah, we don't uh, have ads. But, uh, I love it. Well, I mean, we hey, don't preclude. If you would like to sponsor this, we are available. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> let's, let's not but, be uh, having the men's men's underpants or our blue apron or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Calvin yeah. Klein wants to sponsor. I, right. I don't know that I'd say no. But um, no, I, I mean, we're doing this because we enjoy it. And we do get to talk to very interesting people. We get to ask them interesting questions. We get to challenge some of our thinking on these things. And um, and it's it's just helpful to sit down and have a coordinated time to, to process this regularly. Yeah. So we're, we're going to keep doing it as long as we enjoy it. Uh, and we reserve the right to decide we're not enjoying it at any time and kill it. But right now I'm still having a blast. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this year, I don't know. I mean, my uh, my wife finishes grad school this year. And it's Ooh. been uh, yeah, it's been intense an intense four years with uh, school and internships and everything to get through. So, and she's studying social work. And when oh, this awesome. wraps up, we kind of sit down and say, okay, well, what do we want to what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? And Talk about could... being a benefit to the rest of the world. Like, there's the there's oh, yeah. the, the world changing thing you are accomplishing <laughs> as a unit. Congrats. That's right. Oh yeah, when when I come home from work and I'm stressed about a contract we're negotiating, and she tells me about you know uh, some horrifying scenario. A, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's just it's amazing, and uh, and I'm like, oh, one of us is connected to reality, and it ain't me. <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, yeah. so yeah, there's there's a lot of we'll see. I mean, my life right now is 100% about my children, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see. All where 27 that takes of us, them. But, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, for the record, I wanted 10. I had <gasps> two, and I was like, four is good. We need uh, more. More kids are needed. Yeah. So yeah, creep them. That's right. cool. Well, we should probably wrap up for time's sake since I got to go back and clip a bunch of uh, clips mm-hmm. into this. But um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. See you next year. Have a good year. 2020. Yeah. <laughs> next year. Yeah, we, we won't talk until then, and then we'll reflect. Not at all. Um, okay, I'll talk to you.